Hey, hey, welcome back to Falling Out. This is Elgin Straight. How y'all doing? What do y'all think of Lisa and Rob? Have you bought Lisa's book yet? If not, you should go do that now. You know who's a fan of Lisa and Rob? My next guest. Today we have Becca Spears, and I actually need to go back and correct a previous version of myself. Previously on this show, I mentioned that in this season, we're going to have the first guest from Europe on the show, and that's actually factually incorrect because we've had previous guests on the show who were born in Europe and then subsequently moved away or spent some time in Europe. So technically, we have had other Europeans on the show, but no one who really spent an extended period of time growing up under the Unification Church in its European version. And today we have the first of those stories. Becca was born in Germany, raised in Germany in the Unification Church, and still lives in Germany. Becca also has experience with the so-called offering child phenomenon that you'll be familiar with if you're a listener of this show. Becca had the experience of one of her siblings being given away to another family And it happened at an age where she was old enough to understand what was going on. I think that's a really important and powerful part of the offering child phenomena that we've discussed on this show. And I'm delighted that Becca came forward to share that with you and with me. Without further ado, here it is, part one with Becca Spears. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Let's start again. Start over. Um uh Becca, welcome. Um you I think have the honor of being our first uh European born uh falling out guest. Um so the first representative of the fine continent that I now reside on, although some people in this particular island that I'm on, don't see it that way. It's unfortunate, but I think um, we don't either. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, how are you gonna Brexit, do that to me? <laughs> it's fucking brutal. <laughs> Those guys voted not to be part of it anymore, so you I know. know. I know we shot ourselves in the foot big time. Uh, yeah, you very, really did, man. <laughs> very fucking sad. They shot us in the foot, but um, I did not vote in that manner for sure oh yeah i did know that i was uh, gonna be the first european person yeah born yeah excellently cool yeah. for the record i, I want to go back just if anyone's ever listening I- i'm a uk citizen and i want to go back um just like it let's let's make it happen <laughs> um but let's uh, let's kind of let's talk about about you, Becca. So, um, yeah, can you just give us a sense of um, of when and where you were born, and we can we can take it from there. Yeah. Um, so I was born in 1984 in Essen, which is like in the northwestern part of Germany, um, to a Japanese mom and a German father. Um, I'm the oldest of six um wow it's a lot yeah they never stopped having kids (laughs) um (laughs) they're still together wow um they both left the church when i was around 13 14 and i left 
Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's yeah. kind of weird. And uh, I left uh, the Unification Church um, when I was about 17-ish, mm-hmm. something like that. So 20 years ago. Okay. Over 20 years ago, yeah. Okay. Um, we moved around in Germany quite a bit, though. Um, yeah. Basically, anytime my mom got pregnant, um, we had to move. Why? Because uh, it wasn't enough room. <laughs> Oh, okay, so just like to get a bigger house, basically. Yeah, so, or okay. yeah, and then my dad got assigned away from Essen um, to Frankfurt. Then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he was uh, the center leader in Essen, and then okay. had some leaders leadership role in Frankfurt, which was a big community. Okay, was and, fr- was Frankfurt yeah. like kind of the center of the German Unification I Church? Say that um, there was a lot of. It was quite um, feudal. All right. So yeah, like like Germany itself actually. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, <laughs> a couple of big centers, and yeah, there was this one place. I think you've been there with the white statues. That oh is, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, yeah we talked about that. That is uh, yeah. near Frankfurt, um, somewhere in the middle of uh, the the forest. Um, yeah, you take a train from Frankfurt to get there. I, I've that's how I've that's how I got there oh, okay. um uh and yeah there are these really creepy statues of like Moon mm-hmm. and his family mm-hmm. um yeah and bible stories and stuff like that yeah oh someone was telling me okay this is th- this is like completely like speculation and rumor but uh someone told me that in that compound there's like a there's a safe with like with like millions of euros in it really? <laughs> yeah oh, I didn't know that. I would I would love for someone to please confirm that um <laughs> uh yeah that's what that's that's what i heard about that place um i lived in that place a couple of times really yeah in the interim when our parents had to move and we didn't have a new apartment yet and we would just crash there for weeks yeah okay i guess that that's very common for yeah these church centers to be sort of Mm -hmm. a place where and it's interesting to hear about that happening over here on this on this side of the pond as well yeah that's also Uh, where all the kids workshops and stuff happened yeah exactly yeah yeah um and yeah that's what i kind of went there for not like a summer camp but um some sort of workshop i think when Mm -hmm. i was like in my mid-20s and like Mm -hmm. they were like oh everyone has to go get some blessing or whatever and i kind of me and my ex-wife just kind of went because her parents like badgered us forever to go to this ceremony um to camberg Hamburg, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. That's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. So you lived in that place for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? I kind of, when you hear stories on this show about some of the things that happened in the, in the U S to kids who grew up in the U S in the unification church, how does that relate to what you experienced in in germany do you can you can you see any differences or similarities yeah for sure so um i think we were a lot less strict um when it came to having boys and girls separate for example or being allowed to wear makeup and nail polish and stuff like that um, it wasn't strictly forbidden. It was a little bit frowned upon, but no one would just 
straight up say you're gonna you know invite bad spirit world or whatever okay. um and we do not have any schools around here just for church kids oh interesting All of us went to public schools or private schools but there was never any institution that was run by other moonies okay so that's a big difference that is a big difference yeah for sure yeah. Yeah, and actually, I'm trying to think, like, if I think across all of Europe, as far as I know, I, I don't think there's anywhere in Europe that is the, the equivalent of, um, like, a, a New Hope Academy in the Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. area, like, you know, this yeah. high school high school for kids. Actually, no, elementary school. I think it goes elementary all the way up to through high school. Um, excuse me. Uh yeah, I don't know exactly where it ends now. Or uh, New Eden, or was it New Eden Academy in Bridgeport, which is a high school, and then Bridgeport University, this whole sort of so-called system that kids mm-hmm. could be a part of from birth, pretty much. Um, yeah, it doesn't exist in Europe, as far as I know. No, it doesn't. Okay. That's a big deal. Um, I don't even think we would have the numbers right now. We wouldn't. Yeah. Um, and maybe back then in the eighties, but it would be like a very small, small kindergarten How? or yeah. small um, school. How many? I'm also curious about this: the scale in in Europe versus the mm-hmm. U.S. as well. I. Didn't meet a lot of other European kids, um, a bunch of Austrian and um, many Swiss kids, okay. um, some Dutch kids. Um, there's a little bit of connectivity because of the um, international marriages, of course. Yeah. But especially the um, Swiss kids and Swiss families that would come to places like Hamburg. Um, yeah. So we'd know them since since we were little yeah um but yeah i don't actually know what the numbers are um, it, it's to me it kind of sounds like hundreds of maybe, maybe in the low hundreds of people yeah i was thinking actually probably 500 families max yeah something like that yeah maybe like at the peak in the 80s mm-hmm. in the 80s yeah. like 500 families maybe they each have a couple kids so it brings you up like one to two thousand people something total. like that but that's yeah, yeah like five thousand people like or sorry sorry 500 families across all of europe so that's i could uh, be i could be so wrong though i do not know but that kind of sounds right like when i remember growing up in the u.s and always getting the sense that you if you if you looked at europe as a continent mm-hmm. uh the the numbers were smaller scale than mm-hmm. they were in the u.s that and what you're saying kind of it feels right to me basically yeah that based probably on, tracks yeah i mean even the um cult um the people who would uh what like self-help groups or whatever for cults um 
the Moonies are like very, very low on their list of priorities because there's like not a lot of us here. Okay. Um, but um, Jehovah's Witnesses, even yeah. Scientology, stuff like that, that has way bigger numbers, even the Mormons for some yeah. reason. Okay. And um, so, yeah, okay. um, especially nowadays, it's not a very, um, yeah, not a very thought after group. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, well, he was Moon himself was banned from from Europe. Yeah, um, I remember that. That actually, I mean, this actually, I mean, uh, probably part of the reason that there are less families in Europe is because Moon was banned from Europe. Um, so you know, the policy reputation comes with that kind of stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and the policy kind of worked. So thank you to the governments for doing that for you know reducing the reach uh of of moon um because yeah if he was like traveling over and he he would have been well yeah if he could travel over i'm sure he would have been putting like more emphasis on europe um if he was allowed in the on the continent but he wasn't and so i think it just kind of fell by the wayside um which it's probably a good thing actually i'm sure it's a good thing yeah so we're there. Um, okay, so you guys didn't have um, you didn't have any of these schools and stuff. Um, what about like uh, workshops, like summer workshops and stuff like that? Did you guys have that? Yeah, a lot of them. So um, for the kids, there was the summer camp, and I have very very good memories. Um, it was a lot of fun. There wasn't a lot of talk about, you know, hellfire and whatever. Um, mm. We did do the usual, a lot of singing, um, wood working. What's it called? Wood woodwork. Yeah, wood woodwork. Oh, what you like? You like whittle sticks or like carve things out of wood? Yeah, yeah. Like, but like yeah. build little houses and cars and whatever out of wood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Woodshop, uh, I think. Woodshop. Yeah, woodwork, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think, think something I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, like I said, a lot of singing, hiking, stuff like that. It was very nice. Um, and I did make a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, we never lived in houses without any other Mooney families, as far as I know. We would mm-hmm. always live in either compounds or um, entire buildings filled with Mooney families. Whoa, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For your whole childhood. Yeah. Up until I turned, I want to say 12, something like that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, wait, it's way earlier. Um, Fifth grade. That's about 10 years old? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we switched cities um after my fourth grade and this is in germany where elementary school stops and you have to go to a different school okay um junior high or something like that um, would be the equivalent Mm -hmm. and um, that's when my parents uh read uh, in the shadow of the moons by nansa kong and um they decided to back away a little bit so they moved back to where my dad's family's from that did not have a big congregation. A couple of families in that city as well, but not a tight-knit structure like 
Frankfurt or Düsseldorf or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, okay. And with, what about like the employment situation? Like in, in the U S a lot of church, most church members are working for church businesses or like, yeah. you know, church HQ basically. Mm -hmm. What, what does that look like in Germany? Mm, in Germany, I know a lot of people who were just regularly employed. Um, okay. I know people who were working for um, the German railway system mm -hmm. or for computer um, companies, like all types of stuff. My dad, however, was employed for the church. Um, when we were living in Frankfurt, he was um, the public relations liaison. Mm -hmm. And also um, head of the publishing company. Okay. Oh, so they owned a publishing company in Europe. I guess I think they own them like all over yeah. the world. Yeah, uh, it was called. I don't even know what it was called anymore. But um, they published all the the books and the translations and stuff like that from yeah. from writing. Okay. Folks. Becca has kindly provided some additional information about her father's job working for the Unification Church. I'm going to insert that as an audio note here. He was the head of general affairs and um, editor-in-chief of the German-speaking Mooney magazine called Weltblick. And then he was head of publishing of the Kando Publishing um, company that started around 95, 96. And yeah, he was also um, head of uh, public relations. Now back to the interview. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think that that is another difference. And if I think about like the people that I have met over here in, in, in England and across Europe who have come from the, you know, who grew up in the church, but like eighty percent of them, their parents worked for so-called outside, mm -hmm. you know, business businesses or governments yeah. or whatever public sector. You know, did they did like normal jobs basically? Um, I wonder what is more lucrative for them for the for the church. If you have people working regular jobs so they can tithe more to the company, to, to the church, I'm yeah. sorry, or yeah. if they have um, companies that will just not pay them properly. Yeah, I think it's a better deal for the church to get them working for them because yeah. they're they are tithing. First of all, they're going to tithe some of that some of that salary back but it as to your point it will be lower than you know, whatever they would get elsewhere um but the church is also getting all that of all that you know labor re reduced rate labor basically mm. or free labor okay. so i don't know personally i think that's a better deal but i don't know if someone could go out and earn like a lot more somewhere somewhere else then i guess the church would be would be missing out uh, i don't know but it's a fair it's a fair question yeah yeah. Um, God, yeah, that's really interesting just to think about that, like that fundamental difference in the experience between Europe and the U.S. I think we were way more liberal when I listened to Renee's podcast or 
stories that they tell on your podcast, it's very, very restrictive. And um, yeah. it started to become a little bit like that um, before I left. And I do not know what it was like after I left, which mm -hmm. was in about 20, no, 2000 and two or three or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you never, you never got matched or blessed or anything like that. No, 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 no. Okay. No. I guess you left early enough to yeah. not, not be subjected to that. Never did SDF. Okay. or anything like that okay yeah. oh yeah so here's another question is is that that in the u.s they have this like so-called formula course which is like you're meant to go to go to high school and then you're meant to do i think it's two years of stf like one wow. year fundraising one year witnessing and i think like in theory maybe a third year sort of being like a team captain, something like that. I could be getting it wrong. I know it's at least two, um, but is there any conception of that in, in Europe or, or was there any conception yeah. of that in Europe? Yeah, there is. Yeah. I don't know okay. if it's a two year or one year course, but a bunch of my friends did that. I just think this is fascinating just to, just to get this on the record, like what the, the differences, the differences were. And so if you're doing the STF stuff, I guess STF in Europe is, the same as STF in America, pretty much like door to door Probably, fundraising. Yeah. Yes, okay. yes. Um, moving from town to town in a van and selling trinkets and doing okay. stuff like that. Yeah, okay. but it's all across Europe, as far as I know. It's not yeah. you don't you don't stay in Germany. You go all over Europe to do that. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Do you know if there are any? Do they focus on any particular countries? I don't know that. Okay. I have no information on what they do on STF. Okay. Um, other than you know the usual yeah all right I um, but I do know that at the end of it you're supposed to go to matching ceremony yeah oh yeah that's the end of the formula course right <laughs> is you then then they're like okay boom you're ready let's let's get you matched and and married terrifying absolutely terrifying and yeah I was actually when my then best friend did that I was so worried for her. Um, I cried a lot and it made me really upset because she was so young, you know, she was mm. like 19 or whatever, and she would just get married to the rando. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. how, how is she doing now? How do you know how that worked oh, out? Oh, I have two kids. Yeah. Okay. They have two kids and I, I don't talk to her often, but I think they're good. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, good for them. Um, but it is scary and it's really it's fucking in, wrong and inappropriate on so many yeah. levels god um, yeah but I never did that um, for me um, I got out when I when I moved out for high school um, I moved to another, to another city nearby but um, yeah it was the first time in my life when I did not have any internet or phone connection and so all that constant cheddar and constant contact with other Mooney kids was like dropped to zero mm. and that was scary mm. but then all my internal like doubts and my questions bubbled up and mm. there was no there was no way to suppress it anymore mm. Did you talk to your parents? 
if they had left earlier than you, then when you were doubting, were you talking to them about your doubts? No, actually, I didn't. Really? That is weird that, you know what? I could have done that. <laughs> that would yeah. have been a great resource. But no, I <laughs> I, I kind of dealt with it by myself and Whoa. with my newfound friends from, from school. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that's the first thing that occurs to me. It's like, and it's interesting that, so your parents left, but they didn't sort of usher you out with them. No. They sort of allowed you to, main, I guess... What what was that like? Um, they specifically told us that they were going to leave and they don't believe in it anymore. But they also said that um, this is a big decision and we have to do it by ourselves. They don't want to force us to do anything. Wow. So, yeah. Um, and it was coinciding with me getting into HARP. So me being like way more subjected to indoctrination than before. Okay. So, oh, so wait. So what's what's HARP? Can you explain what that is? Oh, it's the High School Association for the Research of the Principles. And it's like this youth group. of. Oh, it's like the high school version of CARP, which is their university yeah, wait, front group. Do you not have HARP in the US? No, we don't. Ha- we don't have HARP or we didn't have HARP when oh. I was a kid. Interesting. Uh, wait, which we, which year are you born? I was born 81. Oh, weird. So, yeah, we, only, we only three years before you yeah yeah we didn't have harp we had so the carp was like the college thing there's yeah. stf there's carp um we didn't we didn't have harp we had the pla the pure love alliance mm-hmm. um but that was that wasn't that was like a thing we did in the summer it wasn't really like a uh like a year-round thing yeah, harp was year-round we have heart we had harp meetings we had um we had like a magazine <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, for this magazine, we had magazine workshops and gatherings where we would, you know, brainstorm and write articles and whatever. What did you write articles about? Uh, just, you know, all type of random stuff, like things that would make us think about, you know, life because the thing that we read that Moon said or also movie reviews <laughs> and book reviews, and stuff like that. It was wow. like a... um. Yeah, like a school magazine. Wow. Okay. But only called kids. I can, do you have any copies of this, or can anyone like I can do, do actually? They, can you send them to me, or just like send me photos of them? Yeah, um, but it's all in German. I don't know. If oh, it's all in German. Shit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. That wasn't the thing in the u.s as far as i know but maybe listeners will tell me otherwise but at least in my day it wasn't it wasn't a thing um but i have i have heard of that here in in england i'm pretty sure it mm-hmm. exists here but i don't know if that was like just part of the overall european like mm. harp scenario um i don't really know but yeah that definitely wasn't a thing for us they would even refer to each other as harpies my other wow. RP friends. Yeah. Okay. 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 So you're saying you were you were getting out, but then you were kind of getting pulled back in due to the harp influence. I never was about to get out back then. Um okay. basically all of my friends were other other movie kids, except for oh. like a, one or two friends from school in elementary school. But then when I got into fifth class, 
um, junior high school, um, they encouraged us to not get used to our, you know, outside world friends. Mm. So I did have friendships, but they weren't like super deep or anything. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, every vacation, every school vacation, all the all the things that I could do with the harpies, I did do with the harpies. So okay. I went on all the workshops, all the retreats, okay. all the camps. Okay. Are you still friends with any of those people? Um, I am again. <laughs> um couple of them. I never lost touch with, mm-hmm. um, but some of them I did and recently reconnected with um, because they all left. So. Mm, okay, good. Yeah. It's a good ending to that story. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. It's quite intense, um, but yeah, it was really cool to connect with them. Mm, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad to hear that for them. Yeah. I did leave quite early. I was very young and most of them stayed in for a couple of years. Yeah. And then there was not any means of, you know, reconnecting with them. There was not like a big thing like Facebook or mm. stuff like that. So, yeah. And it's not like I was shunned or anything, yeah. but, you know, once you're out, you're kind of like out, out. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I didn't even realize that most of them was out. Mm. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Um, I want to make sure we capture the stories about your siblings, um, mm-hmm. particularly um, the offering child scenario in your family. Um, that's something that I'm particularly interested in capturing, and I know you... Um, have experience with that so can i ask you to to tell us about that sure um so i want to preface it by saying that i talked to all of my siblings about this um and i talked to my parents about coming on the podcast and talking about this Mm -hmm. and um everyone except for my mom is really supportive about this okay and um so I kind of had to promise my mom not to talk about the circumstances too much because she feels like she will be judged for it. Um, What I can say, however, is that both my parents, especially my mother, regrets giving the child away. Um, And especially for my mom, it's the most painful and haunting thing she ever did for the Moonies and um yeah it's she sees it as a big big mistake and um it haunts her to this day um yeah so when I was about 10 um my mom got pregnant with her child my parents got pregnant um Mm. and um they decided to give their child away to a um, friendly couple um, that they knew forever. Okay. And who couldn't in the, have in the church, obviously. Like yes. Church couple church. who couldn't yes. have kids. Yeah. yeah. And um, so during the whole pregnancy, we knew that the baby's not going to stay with us. And um, 
we went to visit our sister as a newborn in the hospital. And um, she already had another last name written on the tag. Wow. And um, yeah, also, I don't think my parents picked out the name even. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, as most of these offering child scenarios that I've, that I'm aware of, Mm -hmm. the, especially if it's like decided before the child is born, um, Mm -hmm. then like the, the new parents get the ability to name the kid basically it's like considered oh, I wasn't aware yeah it's like theirs uh mm-hmm. yeah like as far as i understand like the, the church sort of views it as like li- literally like the the woman's the woman who's giving birth like her body is kind of like a vessel for this mm-hmm. you know child of this other couple basically and that's that, uh, creepy and gross it's really creepy. It's so yeah. creepy. Do you, mm-hmm. do you know? Um, okay, so I, I have a couple questions. Um, first of all, I'm just wondering if you if you know anything about the legal s- scenario I do, over there. Yeah. How does how does that work? So um, surrogate mothership is uh, illegal in Germany. Okay. Um. So my parents gave our sister not up for adoption per se but they um it was called pflegekind which is like um foster child type situation so um my sister's now parents um took her as a foster child and after a year you can legally adopt that child okay but you have one year of you know your birth parents deciding to bring you back i see Okay. Okay. That was that was the legal. That was the only legal grounds to do that. Okay, and so they were, um, but they could do that like from birth. They could kind of start the year. So the 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 year starts um, like the day that she's born, effectively, Mm -hmm. and or. I mean, in, in other cases, the year starts when you take that other child in as a surrogate yeah, child. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, as a foster child. So. Yeah, as a foster child, okay. Okay, interesting. Um, and they're... Legally, they're okay with parents just sort of brokering this foster situation situation amongst themselves there's there's no like government oversight of of that um, apparently it isn't no i don't wow. even know if there was um like child care services or whatever who would yeah. visit her new parents yeah I'm not aware of any of that okay thing happening okay because yeah, yeah like if you as far as i understand it and oh at least in the U S I think if you're going to adopt someone, then there is some sort of um, oversight that's applied mm-hmm. at some point where well, there must be know, yeah. people are asking questions about the family and, you know, yeah. making sure they're not, they don't have an abuse of, or sorry, a record of child yeah. abuse and yeah. this that or the other. Um, but it sounds like this is all just kind of, well, if the parents want it, then. Okay. Folks, this is Elgin in the editing room, more like my, dining room if you're watching the video version of this 
After recording this interview, Becca provided me some further information on the legal scenario in Germany regarding adoptions. That was recorded in an audio voice note, and I'm going to play that now. So surrogate mothership or surrogate motherhood is illegal in Germany. Um, but what my parents did was give our sister up for a so-called open adoption, where the um, birth family will stay in contact with the adoption family so that the child uh, grows up being in contact with the birth family. And that is basically what happened with us. And which is why my sister already had a different last name, because before she was born, um, the adoption papers were filed. Still, my parents had a year until the adoption was formalized, as far as I understand. And within that year, they could have decided to take her back and not go through with the adoption. And now, back. To the interview. I'm pretty sure some type of social worker would come to um, the parents' house whenever the, the real adoption would take place. Yeah, okay. Um, because I know for a fact that this is a weird tangent, but uh, there is not a... Um, so when you are two women and one of you, if, if you're married, if you're two women who are married and one of you gives birth to a child, Although you're married, the other partner does not like is not automatically the other mother. It's not it's oh, not a parent. You have okay. to adopt the child. Interesting. Um, okay. And that is a whole process. Like a social worker will come to your house and scrutinize whether or not you have a relationship with a child, although you are like wow. literally their mom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. So okay. yeah, this is something that we're fighting against actually. Okay. Um, here in Germany, LGBT okay. people. Okay. Okay. And this is messed up thing to happen to a family, but yeah, yeah. I'm sure if if that happens, then of course someone will come and and talk to the parents of of a of an adoptee child. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, and then, are you able to speak and to- totally understand if if not, especially given given what you said about your your mother's wishes, but uh to the extent that you're able to um i'm wondering uh if you can give any any insight into um like whose whose idea the adoption was or like like where where it came from like did the other family ask your family did your did your family go to them did a church leader get involved i'm curious about those but also if you don't want to talk about it that's completely fine as well Mm, I think all I can say is that the church wasn't involved directly. Okay. But I can say that it didn't happen in a vacuum. Yes. Even in Germany, there was this system of shuffling kids around. Um, It was quite common. It was openly talked about. It was like not a secret thing that happens. And you're shocked when you learn that, you know, the friend that you go to camp with is adopted or whatever. It's a, it's a fairly common thing to happen. Yeah. So, um, it wasn't like something weird that they did, um, within this, you know, in front of this background. Yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, it was sort of in between um, my sister's parents and and our and her okay. birth parents. Okay, that's fine. So yeah, and I, I think well, anyone who's listened to this show will know that like the the context here is this, you know, this organization that places these beliefs in people's head about this mm-hmm. so called blood lineage and how you know yeah. if you're if you're unable to conceive, you're not going to go to heaven because you don't have a yeah. sinless child. So that's the backdrop here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, it sounds like, and this is also interesting to capture on tape, like that just, this wasn't the only, the only case of this happening in, in, in Europe. Um, like you knew of other kids where this this had happened. Yeah. A lot actually. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. All right. Um, so that is a similarity between the U S and Europe in this it's called okay um did you ever talk about the trinity system on your podcast the, the, the what system the trinity system uh no okay can, can you can you can you tell us about it um so apparently moon wanted to like the plan was that three families would form a trinity and they would care for each other Yeah, this is ringing a bell. Yeah, um, yeah. When uh-huh. yeah, so when people would get blessed, then they would yes be sort exactly. of placed in this like sub community of like their couple plus two other couples to form mm-hmm. a trinity. Yeah, yes. And Moon talked about. Um, I mean, I have a speech right here. Oh, cool! Like yeah, let's book. let's hear it. Yeah. Um, hang on. It's from. Um, blessing and ideal family part two and let me just find the part where he talks about how you should be liberal with your kids Um, oh wow okay if one family in a trinity cannot give birth to a child the other families should give a child to the family um wow that is literally what moon said what you know the trinity is supposed to do wow and um especially sons um but yeah children in general wow so i had heard i'm aware of the trinity system Mm -hmm. um and but i didn't know that it was like it was kind of part of this or was related to the to to offering child offering child situations as well so was this couple were they in your parents trinity weirdly no oh Um, interesting okay Yeah. yeah they were just very good friends okay yeah so the other one the other like offering child scenarios that I've been aware of. No one's ever brought up the Trinity thing. So I don't know if that was ever. I don't know really if people would, um, like insist on, because you're in my Trinity, you're going to give me a child. Um, I don't know if that is <laughs> something so that ever up. happened. It's it so is, right? Up. Like Jesus. even saying it out loud makes yeah. it like, ugh, it's super gross. Um, but yeah, I know one other family who was in our trinity. I do not know the other family, but I know that it's not um, the ones that ended up adopting our sister. Okay, okay. So let's let's go back to um, 
but yeah, you mentioned you kind of, you saw your sister in the hospital with a different last name and then we went off on a tangent. So let's go back there. Yeah. So, um, one of the conditions that my parents said for the adoption scenario even taking place was that we get to see her once a year. Okay. And um, they lived kind of far away um, at the other end of Germany. Um, we moved south right after that. Yeah, right after that. We moved south um, near Karlsruhe. And then... Um, her parents lived um, around Essen or like somewhere um, in the northwestern part of Germany. Okay. So it wasn't like super easy to see them all yeah. the time. Yeah. But yeah, the condition was that we um, can see her once a year at least. And um, she grows up with the knowledge of who her birth parents are and her birth family is. That's good. Yeah. And also... Um, I mean, it wouldn't have been easy to hide because her parents are white and she looks very Asian. Oh, oh yeah, I didn't so, think about yeah. that. Okay, yeah. yeah so, it's kind of obvious in this yeah. situation. Yeah. So yeah, um, but yeah, she always knew, and um, once a year at least, she would come over. Sometimes we would spend Christmas together, even. Okay. Her parents and her and our parents and the family and um, usually she would come around Easter or in during summer vacation or whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah. wait, let me. I'm just thinking about this. So you're, you said that happened when you were about ten years old, right? Yeah, when I was ten years old, my mom got pregnant, and okay. uh, she was born when I was I already eleven. Or did I turn 11? Something like that. Okay. So let's say you were 10 or 11 and you said your parents left when you were 13. Mm-hmm. So they they left the church only two years after. Yeah. After, after not officially. This. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, but that, yeah, that, they distanced themselves from yeah. the church. That must be, I mean, it must have been really hard Yeah. for your mother to, well, and your dad to, to, to look back and then also to see this to see this child, you know, coming around, I'm, I'm, you know, I assume they, they still love, like they would love any of their own children. Yeah. God. Um, our sister's parents also left the church. Okay. Yeah. They wow. did. Um, not much later than our parents did, I would say. Whoa. So yeah, um, the younger sister never really had a lot of contact with the cult. Okay. Which is a plus. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So even so, at a young age, your parents were at left or so at least distanced themselves, and while your sister was still young, her adoptive parents also would have been would have left, uh, mm-hmm. and then. Wow. I wonder. Yeah. Was, did anyone ever think like, was like, can we go back? Like, is it the right thing to go back? Like, did, I, I, I don't know. Like, did, did that ever occur? I, I don't know. 
I don't think that it was even. I mean, there was a lot of internal and outside pressure to this adoption. Yeah. Um, I think Teresa touched on Teresa. What was her last uh, name? Sukahara. Sukahara. Um, she touched on the whole black hunjinim ordering pregnant people to give away their babies on stage type yeah. of situation. Yeah. Um, that happened in, in Germany as well. He did a tour of Europe and he came to our congregation in Frankfurt. And my dad witnessed exactly that thing happening. And um, I don't know if my mom was pregnant at the time or shortly after that. But um, yeah, there was a point when... Um, my my second brother um could have been one of those kids Whoa. who was adopted and um it never happened luckily okay. but um my dad witnessed a, a a young couple giving away their firstborn child okay because that guy black hunjin no told them to yeah fuck and mm -hmm. was it like that kind of scenario that Teresa spoke about, about like sort of like putting people on the spot, basically? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, there was there was no like negotiation or anything. It was just a surprise. Your baby's up for yeah. adoption now type of situation. Yeah. Fuck, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's horrifying. That's horrifying. Yeah. And that is different. Like the what? Fuck, man, it's really horrifying. I didn't know that it happened outside the U.S., but I guess it did because that, that guy, his name was Cleophas. Yeah. Like he went on a world tour. In Zimbabwe, right? He, it was somewhere in Africa. Um, yeah. And yeah, he went on a world tour. So it, it mm -hmm. makes sense that he would have gone to Europe and done similar shit over there. Yeah. Um, I remember he had like a weird jingle. I don't know if you know. No. He had like a hand or something that we would all just, you know, chant to. No, really? Yeah, what, what was it, it was like? <laughs> what was it like? Can you remember? I think it was we we number one, we we number one, we are all chosen one. Wow. Yeah. Like we <laughs> we we number one? Like yeah. like P or like No, we, oh. like we, we are. We are. Yeah, we we number one. We we number okay. one. We are all chosen one. Wow. Yeah. I can see that. I, I can see. Yeah. Like the whole story is such a weird thing. And there's hardly any resource on that. It's really no. hard to find stuff on this. I know. I know. I know. I'm glad you're mentioning it. Because, um, yeah, I feel like you could do like a whole spinoff series just about just about that. Like it's like a true crime podcast. It is, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. Um, uh, so, what else can you tell me about that? Like, okay, so you, you remember if you remember his jingle, you remember being in the room <laughs> with him, right? I do, yeah. Okay, what um, was that like? It was. I was very, very small. I was maybe four years old or something. Um, but I remember it being like a whole celebration type of thing mm. it was 
everyone was wearing, you know, those white garments, the white, the white, white silk, uh, yes. ro like robes. Yeah. Uh huh. Like the no, we're not a cult. I know. Garment. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> you know, the whole thing that you wear to yeah. make sure that yeah. other people don't think you're a cult. That I, thing. I was just telling someone about about my podcast uh, the other day, like a complete outsider. I was telling them about my podcast, mm -hmm. and and they're like, "Oh, so you grew up in a cult?" They're like, "They're like, did you have to wear robes?" And I was like. <laughs> I was like, oh, so that's the thing. I guess everyone just knows. That, really like, is, yeah. And I was like, yeah, they were white. And they're like, yep, that's that. That's definitely that's some culty cult. shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, everyone was wearing those. Yeah when, this, yeah. when this black holy man came into our congregation. And yeah, also my mom told me weird things about this guy too. Like um, they would call couples to the front and ask them what type of um sexual position they would do during sex and then he would rate them from holy to not holy so you know <laughs> that was embarrassing and weird <laughs> i don't know if my parents had to do that but no. um yeah he would have couples show how they would have sex and wait then... wait wait they didn't have to just give a name they weren't like reverse cowgirl they were like they had to like <laughs> i don't show... think they had the vocabulary man <laughs> okay, i'm pretty okay, sure they did not okay, have okay. The vocabulary. so they had to like physically like act it out yeah oh my god and then kifus would be like no that's that's unholy you shouldn't be doing it like that what are the ratings of like holy <laughs> unholy <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. That's it. I, <laughs> so bad. And also so embarrassing and like putting you on the spot and like so intrusive. Like, what about your privacy, man? Like, this is not okay. That's so wrong. That's just. <laughs> Deeply, deeply wrong on so many levels. Mm -hmm. God damn. Like yeah. controlling, micromanaging yeah. the yeah, best like, couples to like even this level. It's, I can't even tell uh, them. That is unbelievable. Oh my God. Ugh, gross. And then like, you know, like whatever you say, some, some dudes like, they're going to take note of it. Right. And like, someone's gonna, someone's gonna remind you of it five years later or something like that. Like, you know, yeah, it's like, just, then all your congregation knows what you do in the bedroom. Like that's yeah. none of their business. It's none of their fucking business. Yeah. It's just really not. Mm -hmm. Fuck. That is what a weird dude. Fucking foul. What else? What else can you tell us about this guy? I'm fat. I'm completely that's, fascinated. I'm like, Oh the, my God, you were in the, the same room as him. Yeah, all the tea I can uh, I can spill, sadly. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Well, it was a long time ago. It was yeah. a long time ago. Jesus, fuck. Um. So yeah, so what about like how did things unfold with your sister, and how did you feel about that whole scenario? Um. For me. Um, it was very different from my siblings, and I don't feel 
comfortable talking on their behalf. Sure, sure. Um, what I can say, though, that it was a varying degrees of um, seeing her as a sister or not seeing her as a sister. And that changed over time, obviously. Okay. Um, but for me, because I was the oldest and um, I saw everything happening, basically, she was like always my sister like from the get-go and she was just living somewhere else with other people but yeah that was just my sister um and when she turned i want to say like 13 or 14 or something like that i started writing her emails um i must have been like 20 my 20s early 20s and um, I wrote her invitations, come visit, and I wanted okay. to know her. And I also made this, um was like a scrapbook, like a friendship book. Mm-hmm. And um, I would have my siblings fill it out with uh, their favorite color and their favorite music and their favorite movie and a picture of them so that our sister can get to know us yeah. better. And yeah. um yeah, um I desperately wanted her to be part of the family and you know, every Christmas when when you think it's family family time, there was someone missing always. Yeah. yeah for a long time. Um and then when she got into her, into her teens more, we would hang out more. Um as siblings um, without the parents. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of our brothers, um, he moved to Cologne where I live now. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that was closer to where she is. She was about 16 or something. And um, yeah, we just started congregating here then. <laughs> like, we, <laughs> like more and more of us just moved into the city. And, um, and now it's just a, I mean, it can never be a regular, you know, sibling relationship, but for the start that we had as a sibling, um, with the whole adoption thing and the whole cult thing, um, I'd say this is best case scenario, right? right? We always knew that she's there she always knew that we're her family yeah um we always were in contact and um and it's still super fucking hard sometimes because Mm. you know there's a lot of issues that happen and develop a lot of trauma a lot of um anxiety that stems from you know having a family ripped apart Mm. for just unusual reasons let's put it at that yeah yeah how does she she have a relationship with your parents Mm -hmm. yeah she visits them okay by herself okay um and sometimes she's there um, with us on christmas okay that's good um, yeah and uh my dad's sister, our aunt, um, she lives on a farm and we do big, big summer parties there every year. 
Amazing. With all the cousins and um, grandma and, you know, everyone. And she's always there. Okay, good. And um, she's just treated as just a part of the family. Good. That's that's, that's really nice to hear. Mm -hmm. That's really awesome. I know it's, um, like I said, it's best case scenario. And I'm, yeah. I feel very lucky and privileged. But it is work. And um, mm -hmm. it's not easy. But I do feel very, very, very lucky. Yeah, that is. I mean, from can the... be different can be very different yeah for a lot for some of the people i've spoken to yeah it is it's very different i'm really yeah. that's that's really awesome to hear and also her parents really love her and adore her and yeah you know they raise her good so yeah that helps that helps uh, that helps a lot as well yeah um, mm -hmm. i imagine i imagine seeing a sibling go to just a shitty scenario yeah. um that would make an already difficult scenario a lot a lot worse yeah i think to cap off i just want to say that um a lot of people criticize my mom mm. and my parents but especially my mom for giving away a kid like you know common things that she would hear is how can you do this yeah um but it didn't happen in a vacuum. There was yeah. a lot of pressure. And I don't want to absolve them of, you know, it was their decision ultimately. It was not like they were put on a spot and did not have even a second to think about it. They did think about it. And um, they would not have done it if there was not this whole culture of, you know, needing a child to get into heaven. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they did it to help friends, basically. Yeah, it's it's a it's a real um corruption of of altruism in a in a mm -hmm. sense. Uh, like someone who deep, so deeply wants to help someone else, and they've been misled and manipulated into believing that the one thing that they can do to really help someone is to give their kid to that person yeah. like that's the thing that's going to make the biggest difference um so yeah i mean i i, I agree it is it's completely yeah it's just it's 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 a manipulation and a, and a a bastardization and a corruption exploitation. Of, yeah it's exploitation yeah exactly that's the word um do do you just I'm just kind of curious. Do you think your parents see it as exploitation now? Do they, do they think that they were exploited? That's a good question. <clears throat> the whole cult experience. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess the whole cult experience mm -hmm. for um just to start with. Yeah. Do you, do you, do they view that as you know? Do they recognize that they were exploited? I think they do. Um, okay. my dad is pretty open about it hmm. um, and from my mom's side there's still a lot of resentment and uh, regret she <clears throat> she did apologize to me for not protecting me better from the cult hmm. and um, basically because they were already like not officially out but 
they did not partake in any cult activity anymore when I was in, in Harp. They had no idea what was happening and um, that the church has changed so much mm. over the years. Um, I'd say that the cult that they joined is fundamentally a different one yeah. than we grew up in. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. changed. I, yeah. I've i kind of heard that from you know people who were there in the early days. Like it's mm-hmm. It's changed. But I do feel like some of the people that I talk to even though they they may admit that like some you know they some things about the the organization were are wrong um they still have a real problem accepting that they were manipulated mm-hmm. um that and I, I, it feels like that's sort of like the for some for some people I've talked to in the first generation, that's like the toughest the toughest um admission to make mm-hmm. is that I was manipulated, I was exploited. I mean, I totally get it. You've spent all all of your money, all your labor, all like your entire youth um for this organization yeah. to <clears throat> have to, you know, admit to yourself that you've been duped and exploited and yeah. That is hard. That is a hard thing to, yeah, to admit to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I am going to check for my, oh, okay. I was uh, making sure that I still have enough charge. Oh, okay. You good? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, do you want to, um, yeah, is there, do you want to, do you want to add anything, anything else on those? topics um i think i'm good okay um cool all right that sounds good well yeah let's move on to the next kind of overarching topic of conversation um which is well i don't even want to i i don't want to put words i don't want to you you just you describe it. yeah you go go for it i don't want to i don't want to misrepresent anything so you know what i'm talking about but can i hand it over to you yeah sure so um i think it's interesting for a lot of people to um learn that i live polyamorously and they Hey, see what I did there? I did the thing where I cut it off right after something really interesting came up because I want to make sure you come back next week to listen to the rest of this conversation with Becca. Thank you so much, Becca, for taking part in both of these episodes. I can't wait to share the second part with the world. Thank you for listening and thank you to the people who make this show look good. You know who you are. And finally, if I could ask one favor of every person in the audience between now and next episode, just to fucking, just to spite Moon and his family and all this fucking bullshit, go and get down in the most unholy of positions that you love with the people that you love, even if it's yourself or it's no one. We embrace everything here. Just make sure it's unholy as fuck. 
See you next week.